All right, so communion preparation today. Communion prep. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, if you grab the Bible on the way in, the green one, it's uh, page 941. 941, otherwise Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. And uh, also we'll have the verses up here on all the screens, so you'll be able to follow along on that. The title for today is The Christian's Emancipation Proclamation. Romans 6, 15 to 23. And you can guess uh, Emancipation Proclamation, where this is going. Uh, Laurel, you know our little Laurel, who's seven now, she, think, she thinks she's the queen of the trampoline and our house. She's the queen of our house. She gets up in the morning. She used to have her own little special chair, which no one else could sit in. Grandma Gigi got that for her. But she's outgrown that. She moved into my chair, you know, the, the, the nice chair right by the TV. That's her chair. She gets her chocolate milk. She sits down. And, uh, and then she gets going. Dad, bring me a blanket. I'm like, excuse me? Yeah, please. She got that smile. Please. Okay. I bring it over. Then a little bit later, Dad, she finishes her chocolate milk. We only let her do drink one. I said, give me my orange juice. And I'm like, I'm like, excuse me? And Kim will walk through in here and say, don't get her anything. Don't you dare get her anything. And, but she makes a face. and Please. So I bring it to her. Yeah. Then she's like, go get my bunny. That's where I draw the line. I'm not bringing the bunny down there. Go get your own bunny, you know. Uh, I'm not, and I say, I'm not your slave. And, and she goes, yes, you are. And she smiles. And she's right. She got me wrapped around her little finger, right? All right. That's what happens when you live with your daughter, granddaughter, right? But real slavery is not funny. Real slavery is not funny. A lot of you saw the Sound of Freedom movie. What's going on in the United States with the, the human trafficking and all over the world is just exploding human trafficking. Uh, America, American slavery was tragic. We don't need to be told that. And the discrimination that followed that for, for many years uh, still haunts us to this day. But what many people don't realize is that the history of slavery, the history of slavery, slavery... Before there was ever a slave brought to the United States or England, slavery was widespread in Africa. The tribes would constantly invade the other tribes and take them slaves, and, and they would just keep slaves, you know, ma- massive numbers of slaves in Africa by the Africans. Uh, and, and then over time, the Arab traders re- discovered this, you know, this resource, and they began to, the, the, the Arab traders began to buy them and, and sell them to the European countries. And that's how they ended up in the United States over time. They sold them to us. And, but before that even happened, it's a horrible story, right? But before that even happened, pirates uh, were kidnapping. African pirates and Arab pirates were kidnapping European ships way before that. Medieval ages, ki- kidnapping white Europeans and selling them into Africa and into the Arab lands, into the Middle East. Selling huge numbers of of Europeans were sold into slavery through through, uh, hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, It's just crazy. Uh, Slavery, most people don't know that, but slavery has been part of the wicked human condition throughout all of human history. It's always been here. In the Rome, the Roman Empire, there were more slaves than there were free people, which is why when Spartacus revolted, it shook the Roman Empire to its core because there were so many slaves. They couldn't, and he 
that, that revolt lasted years and years, and he had many, many victories before he was finally defeated. Uh, in Americas, Americas, you hear the Spanish came in and conquistadors made slaves of, of the Native Americans, um, and which was terrible that they did that. Terrible. But uh, way before that, the Native Americans were practicing widespread slavery in North and South America. Massive, not just massive amounts. In fact, that's one of the main reasons why the conquistadors were able to just march through with a small couple hundred guys, march through South America and conquer it all because the tribes that were being oppressed by the dominant tribes, enslaved by the dominant tribes, jo- rose up in revolt and helped them. That's why they were able to, to do this. They joined the invaders. They figured it has to be better than the tribes that are Dominating. These guys have to be better, oh, they, though they weren't. Uh, well, yeah, not much. But the, it had to be better than those tribes because the tribes, what was going on in North and South America, what was going on is widespread slavery. And they would go in and they would take, make slaves. They would rape these, the women. They would torture people to death. This was widespread in the culture. They practiced cannibalism in North and South America. You never got read that in your history books, did you? I'm a history guy. There's books, whole books on this. And, and, and human sacrifice, the number of people that were sacrificed uh, by human sacrifice. So, listen, this was, this was all going on way before any European touched foot. It, it, because it's the human condition. It's the human condition. We all share in it. Every color and every culture shares in this. Human history is the story of, of, of slavery. And it will continue. If you look at the book of Genesis, there was slavery. If you read the book of Revelation, there's still slavery. It's going to be here until Jesus comes again. It's horrible, but it's going to be here. And everybody's genealogy. Everybody's genealogy, our family tree has both people who enslaved people and people who were in slavery. Every one of us has both sides, enslavers and in slavery, every one of us, because it's part of the human, fallen, sinful, depraved condition. We're going to see, though, in Romans 6 today, in Romans 6 today, the same is true spiritually. We are all slaves spiritually. Spiritually, every one of us is a slave spiritually. The only question is, whose slave will we be? Father, we just thank you for the worship. We thank you that we're all here. And Lord, I pray that every one of us, every person here, would be set free today. Free today to follow God. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Romans 6, 15 to 23. I'll read the passage first of all. So in Romans 6, uh, we've been looking at righteous results. Remember, unrighteous world and the fallen world, but Jesus' righteousness made a way for us to get back with God. But righteous 6 has started the whole section in Romans about the righteous results of what Jesus has done. And we already saw that we're dead to sin. We have Jesus Christ's resurrection power. We know how we can live it. We, we see this emphasized here in verses 15 to 23 today that we're no longer slaves to sin but that doesn't mean we can live any way we want to oh no 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 we are now voluntary slaves to god and his righteousness let's read the passage verse 15 what then what then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace by no means 
Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm sure you all have that one memorized. All right. All right. So here we go. I'm going to just read the first few verses again. Verse 15. Start with 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. In the Greek, that means no way. Right? Did I get that right, Matthew? No way. No way, no how. All right? Uh, I've got to be careful with my Greek take because he knows it much better than I do. All right. So, uh, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, just as you used to offer the parts of your body to slavery, to impurity, and to ever-increasing... Oh, I want one more verse too many. Wait, wait, I want stop at verse 18. Save that verse 19, Okay. Come on, Emily, help me out here. You know I get mixed up. All right, so (laughs) cut me off. All right, so that's my daughter, so I can, you know. All right, so uh, verses 15 to 18, should we keep sinning because we are now under grace, because we are forgiven? He says, no way. Not We are now slaves to righteousness and to God, by extension, right? We're slaves to God. We're in righteousness. We're in bondage to a new master who we obey willingly, wholeheartedly. I'm going to talk about that later on. In the Old Testament, if you were a slave under the law and you loved your owner and you wanted to stay committed, you stay, you, instead of being set free at some point, you wanted to be a lifelong slave to that person, you could. You loved your master and you wanted to stay in that household as as their servant slave. But really a family, it's a whole different thing. Slavery in different cultures treat people differently. But but if you loved your master, what, what you were to do is that your owner, your master, would take your ear and go up to the door of the house. And they had an awl, a sharp, you know, sharp pick. And they would drive it through your ear into the doorway. Pull it out. Part of the skin now is in that door, and now you are a lifelong member of that family. You are a lifelong servant of your master. That was a voluntary act that you could make 
as a slave. Once again, it's a whole different slavery than a lot of what we've seen in the world, right? Uh, you could do that. If you loved your master, you could commit to life. And that is a picture of what we can do, what we should do. We should be committing our life to God through his son, Jesus Christ. Are you a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness? This is what this few verses are asking. Do you want to serve Satan or do you want to serve God? Who do you want to serve? In Romans 6, 19 to 23, Paul contrasts the results of following and serving these two masters. He, he's going to give us a contrast, three different things. And I hope it will help you make the decision of who you will serve or even as Christians, who you will focus on serving, who you'll commit to serving every day. Very, very important. The first one, the first choice, the first contrast is found in verse 19, which I already read. Uh, verse 19, where it says, I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body to in slavery, to impurity, and to ever-increasing wickedness, so, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. Holiness. So contrast number one, the, the choice number one is we can serve sin and wickedness, or righteousness and holiness. That's our option. Sin and wickedness, or righteousness and holiness. We have lost a sense of what sin really is, haven't we? Paul here calls it, the Holy Spirit calls it, wicked. It's wickedness. It's not bad judgment, like politicians like to have bad judgment. You know, it's not a mistake I made, you know, uh, you know, sorry officer, I made a mistake. It's not insanity even. A lot of people use insanity defense all over many, many, you know, it's not insanity. No, no, no. It's wickedness. It's wickedness. That's what God calls it. And the result is ever-increasing wickedness. Did you catch that? Ever-increasing wickedness. Once, once the ball gets rolling, once the spiral starts, once the toilet starts to flush, you know, down the, you know, down the toilet bowl, it's ever-increasing. Are we seeing that in the USA today? Shocking. Just when you think it can't get any crazier. Just when you think it can't get any more wicked. Just when you think you can't hear an, a, a more depraved story. There it is. It's increasing. The birth pains are getting closer together and more intense, right? It's increasing. It's crazy. Because without Jesus Christ, we're slaves to ever-increasing wickedness. That's where we're at. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Remember we talked about that? We're addicted to sin. If you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're sitting here or listening wherever you are, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you are a slave of wickedness. That's a fact. We all were there. Every one of us was that. Are we slaves to sin and wickedness? Or the second choice here in verse 19, righteousness and holiness. Righteousness and holiness. To be holy means to be set apart, right? To be like God. To, to be different from the world. Alright? That's what we're called to be. Holiness is not an option for a, a Christian. It's not an option. Leviticus 19.2. Be holy. Because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Not an option. In fact, there is, I'm gonna tell you something. It's gonna shock you. There is no such thing as a Christian who's not holy. There's no such thing as salvation without holiness. Now, holiness doesn't save us, but it's proof that we're saved. It's, it's, it's just the fruit of salvation. And if it's not there, we're, we're, it's not real. Our faith, we, we're delusional in our faith. In fact, in Galatians 5, 19, it says this. Look at this. 
The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality. Remember, I keep reading these different verses. What's always at the front of the list? Guess what? It was a problem in Rome. It's a problem in the United States. Okay? We, it didn't just start. Okay? Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You catch that? Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a reality check for every one of us. That's a reality check for everybody who claims they're a Christian. Every one of us. That's a reality check. All right? So choice number one. Then we come to choice number two. Contrast number two, Romans 6, 20 to 22. And this says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. The result is eternal life. But now that you have been set... uh, Wait, I hit hit the whole thing. Okay, sorry, I'm starting to look at the next one. Okay. Um, Oh, I see, I'm repeating that. Okay. Uh, Okay, here's our choices now for number two. Slaves to sin, which results in... Death or slaves to God, which results in life. So slavery to to sin, death, slavery to God, life. Those are our two options. Sin leads to death. This is what it says here. Sin leads to death. And it's easy to connect some dots, isn't it? Easy to connect. Sexual immorality, someone ends up with STD or AIDS and they die of the AIDS. Easy to connect the dots. Drunk driver, you know, drunk drunk driving and they, they get killed or kill somebody else. Easy to connect the dots. Drug overdose. So many people dying of the fentanyl overdoses going on right now. 100,000 last year in America. Shocking, right? Uh, 100,000. Easy to connect a lot of these dots. In fact, I don't know if you've been following the news in Philadelphia and all over the country. The new drug is Trank. It's a tranquilizer, an animal tranquilizer. And they're using it in the drugs, and, and it gives them an extra kick. But uh, it, it, it rots the skin. The people look like they have leprosy. Have you been found? It's all over Philadelphia. It's crazy. And then it kills. It's responsible for many of the overdoses is this trank drug. It's an animal tranquilizer. You talk about a picture of sin leading to death, right? Addiction and they look like they look like zombies. They look like The Walking Dead. I mean, it's real. They're staggering through Philly, and they look like literally like The Walking Dead. Crazy. But the worst result of sin is not physical death. Oh no, no, no! It's horrible. That's not the worst part. The worst is spiritual death. And it's not hard to see the result of that, is it? It's not. We can connect the dots very easily. Verse twenty-one. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. They result in death. That, that's what sin does. What has sin done for you? It results in death. What has sin done for you? It promises a lot, but it gives pain. It's a lie. It promises a lot, but it gives pain, just like trank. You know, we're, we're all in spiritual trank, right, when we sin. sin. Remember last week I said sin promises thrills, never fulfills, always kills. That's what sin does. 
And you never get out of sin. Trust me on this. <laughs> I've tried. Uh, you never get out of sin what you go in looking for. You never get out of sin what we go in looking for. Never. It's a lie. It's a lie. Sin is a lie. And those who promote sin are lying to you. Any of that going on in our culture? Second Peter 2.19 says this. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. That is a powerful verse. They're not free. The people preaching that, you know, they preaching this false freedom to go ahead and sin. They're not free. They're slaves of depravity. They're slaves of depravity because we are a slave to whatever has mastered us. These celebrities out there is telling us, you know, on the view and all these places, you know, celebrities live any way you want to live any way you want to. You know, they, but but if you dig into their stories, they can't live without smoking pot all day long. These celebrities, that, these, these singers that everybody wants to be like, they, they, I can't believe they, they all smoke pot. They're addicted to it. And I, I was reading, oh, this one girl, she's like, I just, I was going to give it up. And, and I was miserable. I said, so I don't need to give it up. My mom and I are going to keep on smoking it together. You know, she's a Disney brat. But anyway, you can put, connect the dots, you know. Well, anyway, we'll go, go on from there. Uh, but <clears throat> they can't function without smoking. Why do I want to be like them? They can't function without drugs. Demonic doorways. They can't function without that. Are you kidding me? But, but without Jesus Christ, without faith in him, we are slaves to sin and to death, physical and spiritual death. We're slaves to it. Uh, one of my favorite books was as a kid was where the red fern grows a, a good movie too but where the red fern grows what a great movie but you know the boy had the two dogs was dan and little big dan and little ann i think it was called uh if i remember right but he had the dogs but he had no gun he was too young young to have a gun but he wanted to get some raccoon skins because he was going to sell them and then you know make money and that's how he's going to you know move forward in life and buy a gun and all that stuff so his grandpa taught him a trick to get the raccoons he said what you do is you drill a little hole in a log you drill a hole and then you put nails into that hole you drive them in and downward and inward and downward into the log just so a big enough so a little raccoon could reach his hand in there and then you put a little piece of tin foil piece of tin foil, a shiny piece of tin foil and what would happen is these raccoons if you know raccoons are very curious we used to have pet raccoons but they're very curious and they would gra- reach into that nail hole and grab a hold of that piece of tin foil and but they couldn't pull it out because they had their hand like a fist now they did this and now it's like this and they couldn't get it out because that's how they made that hole and what the boy would do is come up with a shovel that's all he had come up with a shovel and there's a raccoon with his hand in this log and he'd kill it with a shovel he got lots of raccoons that way now all that raccoon had to do was what let go of the tinfoil and walk away at any time. Even before the kid got there with a shovel and beat him to death, he could have walked away. Crazy, right? Is that crazy? Because we would never do that. You might be married to someone like that, but you would never do that. You might have a kid or a parent like that, but nobody here would can relate to that, right? Many of us are being beaten to death by sin, all for a shiny, empty lie. Being beaten to death, right? We won't open our hands and let go of the sin that is killing us. As Christians, too, we won't let go of it. It's beating us. 
Right? We won't let go. And if you're not a Christian, you can't let go because you're a slave. You're not able to open your hand. You're a slave. Whose slave are you? Are you a slave of sin or of God? Of life or of death? It shouldn't be a difficult choice, should it? Really shouldn't be. Then why don't we keep struggling with this, right? It shouldn't be a hard choice. But here we come to the final one. Final contrast, number three. Choice contrast number three. Verse 23. You all can do this out looking at that screen, I'm sure. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is life. That's your choice, those two things. Our choice is a gift or wages, right? That's our gift. Wages are a payment for something. If you, it's, if we work, it's owed to us for the work we've done. John power washed our house yesterday. Anybody else getting mold all over their houses? It's crazy, right? This is wet, wet fall. So he powered, he was out there all day. We owe him some money. I figure a couple bucks will do it. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but, but we, we owe him. We owe him, right? Uh, but the payment, that's what's owed to us. But the payment, what's owed to us for sin, the payment is death. Physically and spiritually, that is what's owed to, owed to us, is death. Now and forever. Dying here and, and, and living in spiritual death forever in hell someday. That's what's owed for us. It's called, uh, I kept this a long time ago, sin's arithmetic. This is sin's arithmetic. Sin adds to your troubles subtracts from your energy, multiplies your difficulties, and will divide your interest in his work, and its wages is death. I'm going to read that again. This is sin's math. Sin, I have no idea where it came from. Sin adds to your troubles, subtracts from your energy, multiplies your difficulties, and will divide your interest in his work, and its wage, wages is death. Isn't that the truth? That is the truth. That, that's what sin, that's the wages of sin, the payment. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God doesn't, but God doesn't pay wages. God, the wages of sin is death, but God doesn't pay wages. He only gives gifts. He only gives gifts. Here you go. We can work our way to hell. We can work our way to hell or take God's free gift. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And a gift, you, it's just a gift. You, you don't pay for a gift. You just receive it. You just accept it. We can't earn it. If you try to pay for that gift, even just one penny. Jim's birthday is today, uh, turning 56. All right? So uh, I think I missed a few decades. But anyway, he's going to get some presents. <laughs> But he's going to get some presents. But what if, what if one of the kids gives him a present and he says, well, here, let me give you a dollar. What would that become? Not a gift. Even if we just try to earn a little bit of God's favor, a little bit of it, it's no longer a gift. It, we, we just receive a gift. We receive a gift. And how do we get this gift? Back up to Romans 4. In Romans 4, verse 4, it says this. Remember this? Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith 
is credited as righteousness. We, we receive this by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in what Jesus has done for us. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. And so that we could receive this gift. He rose from the dead. His resurrection, he rose again to justify us and to give us a brand new life in Jesus Christ. That's what God, that's how we get this gift. By putting our faith in Jesus' death and resurrection for us. That's how we get right with God and have a relationship with him again. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's right. This is a, uh, uh, what do they call those readings uh, when everybody reads together? Uh, responsive reading. Whenever I read John 3, 16, I expect you to do that out of memory because we they do it every week, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's how we get this gift. One of my favorite movies is Saving Private Ryan. Probably seen it 20 times. Saving Private Ryan. Eight men are sent to save Private Ryan. He's, there's four sons in the family, remember, and the three were killed. I think it was on D-Day. Three of them were killed. And so only one son is left, and, and the military makes the decision to save Private Ryan for his mother because that's her last remaining child. But they can't find him. He's out in the middle of, you know, France or something fighting fighting the Germans. And so they got to find him to save him. <clears throat> so they send Tom Hanks is the, the platoon leader. They send Tom Hanks to with his, with eight, they have eight men and they go looking for him and they try to save him. And they do. But in the process, six of the men die in the process. Yeah, remember that climactic last battle? Six of them die, including Tom Hanks. And Tom Hanks, as he's dying, remember what he said to him? He said, earn it. Earn it. That's what he said to Private Ryan. Earn it. Earn what we've done for you. Earn it. And then at the end of the movie, we see Private Ryan's now an old man. And he's at the cemetery there in, I think it was France. He's at the cemetery, and there's all these crosses lined up. And he's kneeling at the cross of Tom Hanks, that character. And he's kneeling at the cross, and he's crying. And he turns to his wife, who's also with him, and the family's in the background. And he says, tell me I'm a good man. Tell me I'm a good man. What is he saying? Did I earn this? Am I good enough to have earned this, the sacrifices? Am I good enough? No. We don't, we, we can't be good enough. We, we come to the cross. He's nailing up this cross, and I'm like, powerful picture. We come to the cross because we can't be good enough. We can't earn it. It's impossible to get this gift. We have to put our faith in Jesus Christ because he did earn it. He earned it. His death, his sacrifice earned it. That's what communion is remembering, that his sacrifice earned it for us, that we could have life. Just like Private Ryan could have life because they sacrificed. We can have life now and forever because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Are you a slave to sin, to Satan, or to righteousness and God? If you're not a Christian yet, if you're here in this, sitting here or out there somewhere and you're not a Christian yet, you must decide. And I hope you do today. I hope the, by the end of our 
prayer time here. You have made that decision. Some of you might be saying, well, I'm going to wait. That, that's a choice. If you say, I'm going to wait, that is a choice. You're, going to, you're saying, I'm going to continue as a slave to sin, a slave to Satan, a slave to the flesh, a slave to the world. That is a choice. Or you can choose freedom, real life now and forever. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, forever, you can choose that. But, but, some of you, but I know what some people think, wait, wait a minute now. I thought if I give my life to God, what are you saying freedom for? Because I thought if I give my life to God, I become his slave. Yes, but his slavery, slavery to God, is really freedom. It sets us free when we decide we're going to be, make him our master. We're going to put the ear to the door and let the all go through. We're, we're, that we're, we're actually being set free. In fact, Jesus says this in John chapter 8, verse 31. He says this, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you Free. And then in verse 36, he says, so if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. That's what, it, that's what happens. We are set free, to, even though we're, we're putting ourselves under God as our, our, our Lord and Savior, we, we still are, we are set free to live the life that we were created to be, the life that we're called to be. We can now live close to God in communion with Him. Communion is just a reminder. We gotta be in communion all the time, right? But we're now free to have a relationship with Him. Are you ready to live this new life of freedom in Jesus Christ? You can right now. You may have not, Never put your faith in Jesus. You can do that right now. It's in your heart. We're going to pray at the end just to make sure. But, but it's in your heart right now. The gospel of Jesus Christ is our emancipation proclamation for every human being. It, that's the only way we're going to be free. We have to repent of our sin. That's the first thing. Repent of our sin. I don't want to be a slave to sin anymore. I walk away from it. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ. His death on the cross paid the price for my freedom. I put my faith in him. I put my trust in him. I give my life to him. His resurrection, his resurrection power gives me the power to live this new life of freedom. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. You can be doing that in your heart right now. But And also as Christians, we must decide every day, will I live free? Now, we've been set free, but will I live free? Will I give my Jesus Christ my whole life? You got to keep that perspective. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says this, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. We have to confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, not just Savior, but Lord, Lord. He's our Lord and Savior, and that's the key to living free. So many Christians are free, but they live by like slaves. Nobody here, I know nobody here, but I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, I know that. But, but there might be some of you know like this, and, and we live like slaves. We receive, we return <clears throat> to the sins that used to enslave us. We return to them. The addictions, the Bible calls the addictions besetting sins, Romans 12. If you got the King James Version, the besetting sin. It's not, we call it an addiction, it's a besetting sin, it's a sin that's got us by the throat. The strongholds, the guilt and shame, the lies that we listen to. Anybody listen to any Satan's lies this week? We don't even hear them, do we? You know, hey, hey, are we seeing increasing wickedness? Remember what Paul said? The Holy Spirit says that in, in the passage here. Are we seeing increasing wickedness or progressive sanctification? This is the one time it's okay to be progressive. 
The one time, right? It's okay to be progressive with sanctification. It means making progress, moving forward. Do you like that line? Where's Len? You like that line? Okay, so, all right, I got it right. So, uh, we've been having a funny conversation on that. But, but anyway, theological differences. But anyway, um, uh, but, but, in progressive sanctification, making progress in our sanctification. That, you know, are we seeing that happen? Too many of us still live as slaves. Still live as slaves. And I'm getting ready to go into communion here, but I just want to share this story. I remember there was a, a missionary from Africa one time. He spoke in a church, oof, you know, well, I was in Illinois 40 years ago now, but I never forgot it. He was saying that the tribe that he is in, in Africa, the, the babies were just beautiful babies, but they all had scars on their faces. Scarred faces, foreheads, cheeks, every, scars everywhere. And they were beautiful, but they, they had these scars on their face. And it started during the slave trade, during the slave trade, because the, the tribes that kidnapped the other kids' tribes, they only kidnapped the ones that were, that were uh, uh, perfect. They only sold the ones that were perfect to the Arab traders. They only sold them. They, didn't, they, they, had, to be, they had to be perfect. They had to be beautiful. Those are the kids they stole, stole and sold into slavery. But now here it is hundreds of years later. The slave trade is long gone. At least that part of the slave trade is long gone. Right. But they're still scarring their children today. They're still taking their babies and scarring their faces, cutting them up. It's crazy, right? Isn't that crazy? None of us would ever do that. But we do. Many of us were free in Christ, but we're still scarring ourselves. We're still scarring our families by this, this, this sin that we're hanging on to, even though we're free. We are, we are free in Christ. I gave everybody a handout. I hope you all got one. If you didn't, you can get one on the way out. And if you're not here in person, you can look up uh, Neil Anderson, who, am, who I Am in Christ. Who I Am in Christ, Neil Anderson. But there's a, a handout here, and it, there's a list of verses and, and, and promises in Scripture. The first, uh, I am accepted in Christ, I am secure in Christ, or I am significant in Christ. And for instance, uh, Gla- uh, Colossians 1.14, I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. Colossians 2.10, I am complete in Christ. And there's all these proves these promises from here that I want to encourage you to take this home and have it memorized by next week. No, I'm kidding. Okay. I was kidding somebody on the way. No, I want you to take one verse at a time and memorize it and meditate on it and, and battle using that verse. Just like Jesus battled Satan, battle using that verse and live it, live it. That's what I'm encouraging you to live, live this. And don't move forward to the next verse until you go through that list, pick one out. And, and I hope you get the whole list done in your lifetime. But do one at a time or make, make, wait until it's a reality in your life to live it. That's what I'm hoping every person does with this list. And if you're somewhere else, look it up. Who I am in Christ, Neil Anderson. And there's other great lists like that out there. Uh, communion today. This is a reminder of everything I just said to you. That Jesus Christ has set us free. It's a monthly reminder for us that he set us free. What it is, it, we have the, the, the bread, which represents the body of Christ. We have the cup, which represents the 
blood of Christ. He gave both on that cross for us to pay for our sin, to set us free. Uh, how we take it, Todd's going to lead us in some worship, and, and you're going to be able to come up and take it back to your seat uh, at, when it comes to be time. But you don't have to do it. You don't have to. It's between you and God. Uh, there's two reasons why you shouldn't do this. Number one is because you're not a Christian yet, and you're not. You want to stay a, stay a slave to sin and Satan. Don't take it. Because the Bible says don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. The second reason is if you, there's a sin in your life, you say, no, no, I'm the raccoon with my hand and nails, and I'm not letting go. Not going to let go. I don't care what beat me on the head. I don't care what the consequences are to me and my family. I'm not letting go. Then don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. But I hope today everyone. Make sure of your salvation, putting your faith in Jesus, and open your hands. Open our hands. Doesn't mean we'll never stick it in there again. No, we're not perfect. Progressive, making progress, sanctification, right? But, but be, say, God, today, help me by your mercy and grace to live free of this. By your mercy and grace. I, I hope everybody does because everybody can, but it's between you and God. We're not, it's just between you and God. Let's pray. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, or maybe you just did it, I just encourage people to pray a simple prayer of faith, to put an exclamation point on what they've already done in their heart. The prayer of faith. God, I want to be your slave. I want to be free of my sin, free of the shame, free of the world, free of the flesh, free of Satan's hold on my life. I don't want to be the walking dead anymore. I want to be free. I repent. I repent of my sin. Everything in my life that goes against your word and your will, I repent. And I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus. My faith in his death on the cross. My faith in his resurrection from the dead to give me new life. I put my faith in him. I give my life to you, God. If you have put your faith in Jesus today, You're in for the shock of your life. Because you're free. For the first time in your life, you are free. You're no longer the walking dead. You are walking free. And the Holy Spirit is now inside of you. You're going to be in for shock. You're going to have conviction when you go against what God wants for you and his word. Just to turn us back, to keep us on track, you're going to have the Holy Spirit's conviction. When you read the Bible, when you look at those verses I gave the list for, they're going to be like fire in your heart. You're going to be able to read the Bible and understand it. Shocking. And you're going to have a new peace and a new joy that you never thought possible. As long as you keep taking your hand off that tinfoil daily, 
asking for God's mercy and grace, you're going to have a peace and joy that you've never experienced before. You're not going to need the garbage anymore. You're not going to need the pot anymore. You're not going to need the trunk anymore. You're not going to need anything because you're going to have Jesus, the body and the blood of Jesus, communion with him. If you put your faith in Jesus today, I want to encourage you to tell somebody. I want you to take communion, but I want you to tell somebody. Family member or friend or somebody at work or on your team or at school, teacher, someone that you know who is a Christian has been praying for you, talking to your grandmother, someone, tell them. Tell me on the way out. Tell, email me, text me, let me know so that we can encourage you and be excited for you. As Christians, as we come to the Lord's table and take communion, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Do we know who we are in Christ? Will we memorize, commit to memorizing and meditating and living out these truths that Jesus has earned for us, giving to them us as a gift? What's blocking that communion? What do we need to let go of to be free, to live free? Father, I pray that every person here would live in freedom, that we would see progress, progressive sanctification, that we would have life now and forever. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.